Hey, everybody. I'm Lori Rudiman. Welcome to Punk Rock HR. Today's guests are Robert Williams and Brian Bachholm. They are the co-founders of a company called Four Oaks Ventures. Four Oaks provides quality PPE and COVID-19 testing to employers and industries all over America. Now, Robert and Brian are on the show today because they're my neighbors in this community. They're my friends, but I'm also advising them on how to talk to and work with HR departments to really make clear the importance of quality PPE, COVID-19 testing, and to really cut through the noise. Nobody's trying to sell you an N95 mask on this show. That's not how that works. Instead, we're talking about the real issues behind the challenges of finding PPE that's not counterfeit or just disgusting and finding COVID-19 testing and strategies that really work. So if you work in human resources or logistics or marketing and you need to go back to work in an office at some point, I think this conversation is going to be helpful for you. So because these are my friends and there are multiple voices, I'm going to pop in and out of the conversation to help move it along. But right away, I think you're going to love meeting Brian and Robert. Hey, fellas, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Lori. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love it. I've got two guests here today, friends of mine, colleagues, really interesting individuals. Um, I'm going to let the both of you introduce yourselves and we'll start with Brian. Brian, welcome to the podcast. Why don't you tell everybody who you are and why you're here? Thanks, Lori. Yeah. Um, so I'm Brian Balkum. I'm an entrepreneur and startup focused professional here in North Carolina. And I'm here because over the past several months, I've teamed up with a good friend of mine, Robert Williams, and two other close friends who I've met in the business world and trust to uh, come together and help fight COVID-19 through supplying PPE and COVID-19 testing to state governments and hospitals and companies around the country. I am. Thanks for having us, Lori. Appreciate the opportunity. My name is Robert Williams, and as Brian mentioned, we met while working on some projects together. I'm nominally in private equity, but Brian and I, through a variety of contacts that we both had worldwide, had early on uh, recognized a need for bringing PPE to the places that needed them the most and saw so much fraud going on, and we couldn't stand by and and not step in and help out. So Brian and I and two partners of ours uh, who also have some pretty wide-ranging contacts jumped in with both feet and doing our best to help out and provide uh, people with resources they need. Well, let's talk about that because I think, first of all, you're doing a tremendous service out there because you're right. There's a lot of confusion around PPE and COVID-19 testing. So let's start at the beginning. The two of you met through your business associations, through your backgrounds, and you came together to form Four Oaks Ventures. But what what's really the impetus behind that? Early in the crisis, I've done various startups from direct-to-consumer and manufacturing and, of course, bringing supply and products in from overseas as well. So I had a lot of contacts along those lines. And early in the crisis, we saw that there was going to be a need for ventilators probably 
And there was a need for quality PPE because I had heard some of those early horror stories about product not showing up or being fake, fake product, you know, uh, just huge, huge orders. So I reached out to some contacts and we brought in masks for the state. And immediately afterwards, I realized, hey, this is, you know, this is a real need. And why not bring in people I trust and work with people I like that have deep, you know, deep connections that can also help. So that's really how the, that was the genesis of this. And Robert reached out to me and we reached out to two other friends and Four Oaks was born, basically. I wonder, Robert, if you can tell us a little bit about what it's like to be a private citizen seeing what's happening, right? And I mean, obviously your organization stood up and said, we can help, but so many others didn't. So what's that all about? Like, why did you think you could help? Why Why you? Well, it's actually kind of a, a humorous little story. Brian, uh, I knew Brian was working to satisfy some PPE for the state. And he was also partnered with a, a mutual friend of ours that owns a contract manufacturing firm to produce a variety of medical equipment during one of the several meetings that I had prior to the increased number of cases. I was presented with an opportunity by an extremely large, well-known university who will remain nameless. And they, they said to me, hey, we've got all of this equipment. We need somebody to assemble it and make ventilators. So the first person I, I called was Brian. <laughs> and Brian said, sure, I can do that. And next thing you know, uh, they were bidding on that contract. And then at the same time, there were a number of contacts that reached out to me looking for help because they were confused. And these were friends of mine. They had never bought PPE before. They didn't know who to go to. They, so many people were put into positions that they were never expected to be in because of COVID. And I was making calls on their behalf and realized, well, if my friends are having this much trouble doing sourcing a PPE, then a lot more people are. And Brian and I and, and our two partners actually saw a few very large uh, organizations get just completely taken. And it's that's no way to do business because of you know some of the stories that we saw in our intrinsic ethics. We we said we've got to we got to do something about this. And it doesn't mean that we're not also in the business of, of making money, but at the same time, there's reasonable you know amounts of capital to be made, and people don't need to be gouged. And you know you can work with factories directly and get those prices down, so people can get the product they need as rapidly as they need it. Hey y'all, do you remember? The day your world changed and you took COVID-19 seriously? For a lot of people, it was the same day or the day after the National Basketball Association canceled its season. But for me, it was March 2nd. In fact, I was on a plane March 1st, coming home from seeing my brother. And on March 2nd, I had international events begin to cancel. And later that week, I had national events in Boston and San Diego that also canceled. And then by mid-March, I mean, it was completely over and we weren't sure, do we wear masks? Are we all going to go on ventilators? I mean, it was just chaos those early days, along with the president who was telling us to calm down. It wasn't that big of a deal. Anyway, I wanted to know from Robert and Brian what those early days were like. And when people were freaking out and ordering PPE, how sketchy was that market? 
just an example, there's a large Midwestern state that I was working with and contacted them for a specific N95 mask. And at the time, they were selling they were selling at astronomical prices. So I didn't feel necessarily comfortable, even with my supply chain, you know, with that price for them. So I was trying to hammer the price down. But in the meantime, they had to PayPal a factory in China for a seven-figure order that, that didn't show up. And literally, I think their limit on their PayPal was 999K. And <laughs> they were having to do that to secure an order. That's how desperate people were. And, you know, our whole goal at that point was to try to try to stabilize these things. And, and to be honest, the market is kind of stabilized now. It's not as crazy as it was in April, for sure. So that's a that's a really good thing. Now it's 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 making sure that you're getting the right product, the product you ordered. So that's what we try to make sure we do, too. Yeah. Well, Robert, you jumped in there right away with a gut reaction to just how bad the market was in April. So what did you see and where is it now? Yeah, the, one of the worst stories that we've run across, and it really is just horrible. There was a, an exceedingly large order of gloves. And this order was produced by a factory in, in Southeast Asia. And the buyer at the time had Normally, after the product's manufactured, you have an independent third party. It's usually a company called SGS, or best known in the space. Go by, open up some of the cases, open up some of the boxes, and do validation because obviously the buyer is here in the United States. They can't go to the factory floor and see the product that's coming off the market, off the factory line. So this buyer, just by happenstance, asked SGS in this case, to inspect about half again as more as they normally do because they were concerned they had heard some bad stories in the market. So they thought, we'll pay a little bit extra for you to validate a little bit more. When they did that, SGS discovered uh, not only that several of the boxes that they had opened, a very large percentage of the additional boxes they opened contained product that was subpar but also things like uh, there were blood already in the gloves and rodent hairs and all kinds of things. So that order was completely scrapped and they had to start searching again for uh, another source. And that's when they came to us mercifully and and we were able to help. Well, I can see why y'all are called to do the work that you do to step in and help with, you know, the acquisition of PPE and the coordination of COVID-19 testing. I wonder, are you focused on a particular area of response to the COVID crisis and what are you providing and who do you work with? Well, I would say there are two major sides to this, and it's PPE equipment and it's COVID testing. And I'll let Robert speak to his special relationship he has with his father and their lab that we teamed up with to provide testing to companies and, and hospital groups and governments. But, you know, that's very interesting to us in that, you know, the more testing we get out there and the more testing, more companies can institute testing, uh, we think, you know, it kind of goes in hand in hand with the equipment, obviously, but we think, you know, that's, that's really going to help people get back on their feet and get people back to business and back to work safely. Right. Of course, you can't do that without having a mask and wearing a mask, providing gloves as well. So 
it is sort of, you know, we do like to say we have a holistic approach to what we're doing. You know, we've teamed up with some interesting people. I'll let Robert talk a little bit about his dad's group, but they kind of go hand in hand, if that makes sense. It does. And I just want to clarify a term that you've used a couple of times. When you talk about PPE equipment, um, what does that cover? What does that mean? You know, we, we touch a wide variety of things, anything from gloves and masks and gowns to hand sanitizer, 55-gallon drums of disinfectant. Brian's been working with the uh, manufacturer of the misters that the NFL is using to have their players walk through before practice. Um, yeah, Mike, it's called MicroSure. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Oh, that is. Yeah. Tell, wait, can yeah. you quickly tell me what that is for those of us who aren't NFL fans or based in the United States? Yeah, so MicroSure is a is a sort of a new technology. It's it's a disinfectant, but what it does is it it kills the virus for a much longer period of time than a regular disinfectant. So it can last up to thirty days on the surface, and it's perfectly safe. And so the Denver Broncos are using this new the new Mister. It's kind of a doorway, almost like a security at an airport that you walk through, and it literally covers your, the player or the coach in this MicroSure product, which will certainly work for those eight hours. But it's incredibly effective against COVID. Wow! On surfaces, That's interesting. So. It uh, reminds me of that far-fetched idea of injecting bleach in our lungs. It's like <laughs> the scientific. <laughs> All right, y'all. When Robert told that story of the box of gloves being opened and there was blood in the box, I swear to God, you should have seen my face in the moment. It was crazy. So I'm glad we talked about the craziness of the early PPE market. But if you're like me, you work in human resources and you don't have a background in public health. You don't know anything about antibodies and antigens and all that kind of good stuff. So I asked Brian and Robert to talk a little bit about COVID-19 testing and what it means for returning to work. So this is a very complex state of things. It's a really complex explanation. So I'm going to try to be as as high level as possible and encourage you to push back and question me on anything that, that might not be completely clear. So there's two kinds of testing. There's testing that identifies whether or not you had it. And there's testing that identifies whether or not you have it, right? So present versus past tense. The way the body fights uh, disease in general is, is there's several stages. But to get to the heart of it, you have what are called killer T cells. Killer T cells are really hard to identify whether or not you have them, but they produce antibodies. And those antibodies, after the killer T cells and the antibodies have done their work, kind of hang out in the body for a little while. And so they can be identified. The antibodies can be identified pretty rapidly. Uh, a lot more simply than the killer T cells can. Now, antibodies over time dissipate um, because they're not being used, but the killer T cells, they, they have the blueprint that can remake the antibodies, and that's what helps fight infection. So there are a bunch of antibody tests in the market. Some are pretty rapid. The problem is, you know, how effective are they? Do they how accurate are they? And there is some question about that. And the other challenge uh, of accuracy relates to those that are asymptomatic oftentimes don't have antibodies but have killer T cells, which, again, you don't measure. So while it's certainly a good idea to have antibody tests in the market, 
they do present their own challenges. Then the test, and, and we do provide some antibody tests, and we provide the ones that the FDA has approved, which there are very few, uh, because of the challenges related to it. And because nobody had ever tried to test for this disease before, these particular antibodies. I mean, this was a heavy lift industry, and they did a phenomenal job in a very short period of time. The other type of testing to identify whether or not you have it, there are some major categories there of the types of testing, but at the end of the day, um, the one that most find the most reliable is molecular tests. So you're, you're looking for the RNA of the disease. Now, starting out, nobody knew how to do that. And so the CDC had their trials and tribulations, and now there are more and more laboratories that are expanding their capabilities of testing. But unfortunately, many of the labs that early on started doing it after the CDC allowed the labs to do it, uh, got overwhelmed. And so you saw testing times, result times of over a week, seven to 10 days. Well, think of how many people you run across in seven to 10 days. So you may not have had it seven to 10 days ago, but do you have it now? And so you have to get tests and you can see where that cycle goes. So fortunately, I know a little bit about this because my, my father is a well-known and respected pathologist in the country. And the lab that he helped start uh, many years ago got into it pretty soon, pretty early on. And given the state of things and our relationship, we had talked early about how to help expand testing for people. And as his lab has expanded their capacity to maintain a uh, 24 to 48 hour result turnaround time. We've been helping to find institutions that uh, require high volumes of testing, you know, large corporations, universities, that kind of thing to help assure them that their population, you know, doesn't have it. Or if they do, you can do quick contact tracing and mm -hmm. narrow down the number of individuals that could be exposed. So the interesting thing about Four Oaks Ventures is that you do comprehensive testing and you really offer a door-to-door -door service. Could either one of you tell me what is that and why is that different? How does that differentiate you in the marketplace? So early on when we were talking with individuals about doing testing for their organizations, the thing that came up most often was, well, I've got all the people into a position where I need to line up testing, and I've never done this before. I don't know what to do. Can you help? So we partnered with a specimen collection group, and we can literally do a turnkey solution whereby someone says, I need testing for my 10,000 employees, and I need it in you know, this city and this state, and we're going to do it over this period of time. We send people in, take the specimen, label it, package it, ship it, test result, tests are run, results are transmitted back all within 24 to 48 hours. And that's an end-to-end -end solution that, that we have not found anyone else doing and find that most of our clientele and our, our partners are exceedingly happy with. Well, I could imagine, uh, again, none of us in the world of work are public health experts, at least very few of us. And so you take this population of business leaders, executives, HR professionals who really want to return their employees back to work in a safe way. And they, I don't know, hit the Google 
and they try to figure out how do I find a reliable testing solution? And by the way, how do I buy PPE that's not counterfeit? And I'm sure they're just overwhelmed with data, overwhelmed with options. So I wonder how Four Oaks helps because once somebody contacts you, I bet you have to do a ton of education, a ton of coaching, and you're probably having conversations with multiple constituencies within an organization. So tell me what that experience is like. You hit the nail on the head. There are multiple constituencies within organizations. So there's a major hospital, world-renowned hospital that we've worked with. And the person that's heading up their masks for PPE uh, before COVID, she basically ran their pharmacy purchasing. She didn't know the first thing about masks, but she's quickly become an expert, right? And so when we talk to somebody at the early stages of our relationship, you know, we're asking, what do they need? We have to basically, we can hold their hand through the process of what kind of certifications are going to be needed for the exact product that fulfills that need. So we make sure we're getting them the exact right product that they've ordered. And then on the testing side, that goes down to, you know, what kind of turnaround can we offer them? Let's schedule out when we can set up our folks to come and take specimens and then get into a cadence with them so that you're, that, that's a big part of this testing is that there's a regular kind of scheduling of testing, right? To ensure safety for everybody. So that's sort of, you know, that's sort of the overview of how we help our customers yeah. help them walk through the process. Well, I remember early on, there was a lot of confusion, especially around testing, not just the difference between, you know, antibody testing and molecular testing, but also whether we should be testing anybody at all, right? More tests, <laughs> you're going to find out more bad news. So Robert, this landscape of testing can be complex, right? We've got a couple of different ways to uh, approach it. But one of the things that I heard, like late in the spring, earlier in the summer, is that pool testing was the way to go. Can you tell us what pool testing is and our companies doing that? Yeah, um, has nothing to do with chlorine. Um, <laughs> good, good. So uh, early on and through the history of the testing, very, very shortly uh, is CDC, as we spoke about earlier, the CDC came out and said, we're going to do all the testing. It was a big kerfuffle there because they unfortunately messed up the first million or so testing. There's some reason why. but Wait, wait. Do you care to editorialize or no? No. I mean, it's... It was a brand new environment. It was new testing. There was bound to be some mistakes. There's and they a, threw out the German test too, didn't they? Yeah, there was just there was a confused right. time, as you might imagine. You know, it was there was wild, wild west in terms of um, trying to source PPE, and it was wild, wild west in terms of trying to figure out what tests to use um, and whether or not we had the right equipment and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So early, early on. A lot of labs jumped into the space, and there were just a handful, just a few manufacturers of the equipment that could actually run the tests. And even more so, there was a, just a handful of manufacturers that that made the uh, materials the, that were used during each test, and these are replenished materials. And so you've got a whole bunch of people scrambling to run tests on a disease that nobody's ever seen before with new machines and, and scarce materials. And it just kind of turned into a great big mess, right? Uh, yeah. just, everybody was working real hard, but you couldn't do any better. So fast forward a little bit and things start 
working themselves out. And some of the machines are in place now. You can kind of get some of the materials that you need on a consistent basis, kind of dependent on which machine you use. But it still wasn't enough to meet the need, right? The demand was just off the charts. Everybody wanted to test. So one of the enhancements, and there have been many, many since then, uh, was pooling. And pooling is really straightforward. So the three of us, let's say we all get tested and all our spe- at the same time, all our specimens are put in a single vial that has been tested. Well, if it's negative, great. You just tested three people at once. And you, know, you don't do that with others. If one of us is positive and that sample is positive, the downside is now you've got to run three individual tests again. So most times people pull four to six uh, individuals at a time, and it is a way to increase capacity. Although now, and we're still seeing some pooling, um, but now we're starting to see enhanced testing through automation. So there's new automation tools that that make it more rapid and you can scale up. So uh, it's encouraging that, again, the pace of progress and innovation is just astounding. A lot of that has to do with like what Brian was alluding to. The, the healthcare industry as a whole forever has been heavily regulated, should, should be. I'm not making any editorial comments about any of that. But I will say that in a pandemic like this, the ability to move rapidly gives you more access to more technology. The trouble is the studies aren't there to prove which one is the most uh, effective. Right. And so, you know, there's there's a certain test that's running around. It's a spit test. It's a lateral flow spit test. Um, and what that means, it's about a credit card size thing. You spit on it, and it's supposed to tell you whether or not you're infected. And it, it bounces up against the PCR testing. And I, there's been news reports about the U.S. government's buying you know, a million of them or whatnot. There have been numerous reports, and again, the studies need to prove it out. It's too early yet to say, but the trouble that we're seeing right now with those in particular is that they they might turn out to be a lot of false positives. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, they were bumping up the, the estimates in yeah. the 70% range of... Well, then it's useless. And I think this is the frustration that consumers like me have and work-related professionals have because you want your investment not only to be worthwhile, but you want it accurate because the stakes of getting this wrong is so significant, right? It's not only that you misjudge someone's well-being, but you put the rest of your workforce at risk if you do this wrong and or you keep people home and you impede productivity and profitability when that person is well enough to be at work, right? So I can understand why HR leaders and executives are super frustrated by what's going on in the marketplace. And I just wonder, as we start to wrap up the conversation, can you walk me through the services that you're currently offering to organizations that you're most proud of? Like, how are you specifically solving this problem? I mean, we talked in general about PPE acquisitions and testing, but what what is it that you're known for right now? I would say that the things that we're known for most commonly are, are rapidly responding to PPE requests and needs with you know high quality sourcing and decent pricing. I sound like a used car salesman. Uh, <laughs> we but, love it though. The used car salesman yeah. sold me a good Honda when I was a kid, so it's all right. <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, we're probably best known for our ability to try to translate for businesses 
the state of the market and what they should be looking for, whether or not they work with us or not, in testing and PPE. Because I think, Laurie, the, the point that you were kind of driving at, and, and I think is extremely valid um, and spot on, that businesses hate uncertainty. And in this environment, everything is so uncertain, so nobody can plan. And when you do try to plan for even something as small as, gee, I would like to get all my employees some masks when they come in, but I don't know where to buy them. And if I got them, I don't know if they're any good. And I don't know, you know, which FDA regulation goes with which, and I don't know how. And so we take, you know, as much time as necessary to make sure that the individuals we work with understand what they're actually getting and what they should look for. Again, whether they work with us or not, it's fine. We're, we're now all in the business of being virologists and sourcing product that we, some of us have never even heard of before. Well said. Absolutely. And I think there are organizations out there that are listening to Punk Rock HR that really have either partnered with brokers or vendors and have these real transactional relationships or are looking for a more collaborative and consultative relationship with experts in this field. So if someone were to get started with you, what does that look like? Like, how do you work with them? You know, generally, it's very simple. In, in this time of COVID, we do, <laughs> we do like to get face-to-face on Zoom and then ask them, because what you want to do is just ask them, what are their needs? How can we help fulfill them? Maybe even direct them towards, you know, something they weren't thinking about, about keeping, you know, as far as keeping a, a safe work environment and keep testing going. If you talk about, you know, make sure that they're on a, a schedule for testing, how many employees do they have, that type of thing. So we walk through it with them and we listen to what their, what their needs are. And that's basically how we work with them. So and that's how it starts. But we'd love to be face-to-face. We try to keep that to a minimum these days, obviously. Yeah, yeah, smart. Well, I'm excited to have a relationship with your organization. And then going forward, just to let the listeners know, we've talked about doing some webinars and content creation and really putting together a workforce portal to educate the HR and people-related community on best practices, on issues, on trends. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm super excited to get involved with y'all. And I just want to direct people to your site now because you do have resources up right now. And I know you both are available to talk to anybody who has questions. So where's the best place for people to go if they want to learn about, you know, PPE materials or COVID-19 testing or, or just what's happening in the marketplace? Where do they go? FourOaksVentures.com is our website and all of our contact info is there. You can reach out to Robert or myself or our partner, John Beltron, and we will get back to you and start the conversation. Well, Robert, Brian, it was a really great conversation today. I feel like it's the first of many and I know we'll have you back on in the future to answer specific questions about PPE, about COVID-19 and hopefully coming forward a vaccine down the road, right? I mean, that's the ultimate goal. So thanks again for being a guest today. Oh, you got it. Thanks for having us. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, Lori. My pleasure. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Robert and Brian from Four Oaks Ventures. Now, there was a ton of information in that conversation, and I don't expect you to scribble notes. We've got awesome key takeaways in a PDF. If you head on over to laurierudeman.com forward slash punkrockhr-127. I would love to hear your COVID-19 questions, your PPE questions, your testing questions. 
I want to collect all of that and do another podcast where we answer listener questions. So hit me up at hello at letsfixwork.com and I will have Robert and Brian back to answer questions about all of that, especially as it relates to return to work. Now that's all for today and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Punk Rock HR.